God blessed you in it. You were not uh, overlooked. I saw you, and I appreciate you, and your church family appreciates you. God bless you, and thank you for what you did, raising that money for Operation Christmas Child. Yes, blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you for that. Speaking of that, I do have the total that came in from the Chick-fil-A Spirit Night that we had over there. Thank you for those of you who came out to support Operation Christmas Child in that as well. We were able to raise $371.75. That's a lot of Baptist bird, amen? <laughs> Speaking of Operation Christmas Child, I want to remind you guys that out in the foyer, there is a sign-up sheet going out. And that sign-up sheet is to be able to go to our Dallas Processing Center. Come and be a part of that. It's one thing to do it here in the church. It's one thing to pack those boxes here in the church. But it's a whole other thing to be able to drive up there and pack them into the crate and watch them get loaded on and pray over them and be a part of that. And I want to invite you to sign up. Instead of being a part of it, it is volunteer. So you don't get paid for it, but you get blessed for it. And I want to ask you, instead of being a part of that, Betsy and I are going this year. We're going the weekend after Thanksgiving. We're going to leave Friday, that Black Friday uh, evening. And incidentally, speaking about Black Friday, i got to get on the soapbox for a second. I am tired of flat screen TVs going on sale. They need to put groceries on sale. Amen? You know, my goodness, I want to tell them all the time, i got enough video cameras and TVs. What I need is meat on the table, meat that I can afford. Amen? All right. But you can get involved in Operation Christmas Child. I ask you to prayerfully consider being a part of that. And all you got to do is sign up for it right there, and you can get involved with it. If you need some more information, you can get with Sister DJ on that. All right. Uh, with that being said, I do have a few other announcements I need to share with you. Coming up today, we have a very busy day. After services at 4 o'clock, our ministry team will be meeting in the admin office. 4.30, the Sincata practice will continue on. So if you're in Sincata, you need to be there and be a part of that. 6 o'clock, our Tuesday services will invite you to come and be a part of that as well. Don't miss that service. Let me just go ahead and say what I say at the nursing home. Be there or be square. Come and be a part of that. At uh, the end of the month, church, we have our fifth Sunday singing, October 29th. And that singing is going to include several other churches. We have a couple that have already uh, reserved their place here at Robertson Avenue. So they're going to sing with us, sing to us. And we are looking for some Robertson Avenue volunteers as well to come and sing in that. So I need you to sign up for that. You can't just show up on the 29th and say, hey, I'd like to sing. You need to get that set in and get those volunteers in those slots. And it's going to be a fine event. So we need to get each and everybody a time to do that. If you want to sing, you want to share that poem, or if you want to play an instrument or something of that nature, let us know. We'll get you that time slot to do that. And we're going to have three or four different churches already joining us here at Robinson Avenue. We've already got a few folks from Robinson Avenue signed up to do that. If you're interested in that, we want you there. We want you to be a part of that. We want you to share your talent. We want you to sing to us and sing with us. It's going to be a blessing. So be a part of that. Contact the office or you can send me a text if you can tell me your own self. Pastor, I want to be a part of that. We'll get you in on that. All right. So other than that, day after services, directly after services, Operation Christian Child will be taking our picture right after services, right after the invitation. Let's pray the invitation goes on for about two hours, amen? Then right after that, we're going to have our Operation Christian Child picture day. So what we'll do is we'll gather up here in front of the cross and kind of make our way a little bit out from there. And we're going to take those pictures. We're going to have it printed 450 times. We're going to put in pictures in each shoebox we send out. And people ask all the time, why do we do that? 
Well, on that picture, we put contact information for the church. RABC code, uh, our internet.org, we put our website address, our email address there, and uh, we put one of those pictures that have all the information on it. And every now and then, one of those kids would get the shoebox and send us an email with a picture in their hand, they get the picture themselves, saying, Look what I got. Here's a beautiful thing to see. And we get to put them back on the slides for you to see. So come and get in that picture and be a part of what God is doing. When that, when that slide comes back, when you see that picture come back, you just melt your heart. And I want to invite you to come with me in that picture uh, for this uh, Operation Christmas South Outreach. Okay. Uh, Saturday, church, then we'll be meeting at 7 a.m. for a prayer breakfast. You don't want to miss that. They have a wonderful uh, sausage gravy. They have wonderful eggs, and they have wonderful biscuits. And I've been coming to that breakfast for three years, and they have not burnt the biscuits yet. Now that I said that, though, watch some watch Saturday and turn the biscuits. You know. Um, but please, uh, please, if you're a guy, please consider being a part of that. They want you there. And I ask for you to, to get up early that Saturday morning. Come eat with them, fellowship with them. Wonderful devotion there. And I've never not been blessed going there to that. Following that Saturday, our administrative team will meet at 10.30 a.m. over in the admin office as well. I think that's about it for our upcoming announcements, Brother Jerome.
do need to be 18 or older. You also need to be a member of Robinson Avenue Baptist Church and a baptized member of God. All right? So you will go through a background check as well, but it's free of charge for you, and it's a real simple process. So thank you for it. All right. With that being said, I think that's it for the announcements. I got one more. Sister Esther, come on up.
What's up, Fiona? If you would, please start making your way back to your seat. Have an Operation Christmas Child video. We'd love for you to see. My name is Emmanuel. I have from Indiana. My dad, they are later minister, and we did well. Life then dramatically changed when he went to attend a conference in the UK and he got visa issues and he wasn't able to come back as he had expected. Mom had to come in to support the ministry and the family financially. We went through a desert, poverty, and scarcity of literally everything. Getting meals was a miracle. On a good day, we had two. On a bad day, we would have porridge, and that was it. It was in that wilderness that my mom met a lady from Operation Christmas Child. We kids were gathered, and we couldn't help but to wait expectantly to receive our shoeboxes. The day that I received my shoebox was a very special day. I really felt like God was telling me, Emmanuel, I love you. I know you. Your name is written in the palm of my hand. I opened it, and the first thing that hit me was the sweet smell. But there was still one thing that I hadn't seen right below the boat, and that was the harmonica. The harmonica resonated with me. It was such a special and personal gift because it was a musical instrument, and I am a musician. I want to share with you a song that my teacher taught me. Beloved, you will never know what a shoebox means to people like me in Africa. It's a big gift that comes in a small package. It's a ray of light in the darkness. It's a sound of sweet melody amidst the noise. It's a river in the desert. Five years ago, tomorrow, well, my mother, she's not leaving the program. So you sit, we'll stand and sing happy birthday to you.
Well, good morning. Someone might be saying, Pastor, where's the special? You just had it. Our God reigns. Amen? Well, yes, blessed be the name of the Lord. Our God is good. And all the time. You know, when those kids go out, we sure feel them, don't we? <laughs> Have your Bibles with you. Turn some peace in the Gospel of Luke. Some of the things that we declare as impossible really aren't impossible. Let me give you some examples of that. If you were to go to Walmart today, if you were to open the freezer section and you pulled out a sofa lasagna, and it would say on the back, this feeds a family of four. That's impossible, amen? I don't know about you, but uh, I identify as a family of four. Things about one serving, you know, just a couple of years ago. So, what does impossible mean to you? Really, and honestly, what does impossible mean to you? What do you think it means? Um, when I think of the word impossible, what usually comes to my mind is undoable. Something that cannot be done. And I think here in the United States, we need to remind people there are some things that cannot be done. Number one, no matter how much you kick cry, have surgery, a man cannot become a woman. Amen. A woman cannot become a man. Right now, on some college campuses, there are some protests going, and I thought they would be protesting over Israel, Palestine. No, they're protesting over the fact that they removed feminine hygiene products from a men's That's impossible in fantasy, isn't it? Undoable. What comes to my mind when I think of impossible? Something you cannot do. Something you cannot do no matter what. Undoable. Perhaps the word unfeasible comes to your mind. Unfeasible. Something that you never ever attempt to do. Unfeasible. And that's, that's what I say is unworkable to me. That's what really impossible means. Unworkable. No angle that I can make this happen. Perhaps you're a little more sophisticated than the rest of us. Inconceivable. Those of you who grew up in the 80s and 90s, you know where that came from. Princess Bride, and I love that movie. I think everybody does. My personal favorite is the R.O.U.S. The Rodents of Unusual Size. So they are now currently inhabiting the Southern Baptist Convention. <laughs> and they have got themselves elected in the Washington, D.C. Oh, my goodness. 
However, if we could read everyone's mind this morning here at Rockland Baptist Church, we would probably see that most of us believe in the impossible. But we truly hope that someone will make it possible. We believe in the impossible, but we hope and pray that it will become possible. Nothing greater, no bigger thrill than when someone attempts the impossible and proves that it is possible. You know what I'm talking about? As a child, I saw evil from evil. It's an impossible thing. I got some evil from evil scars on my arm. You know what I'm talking about? Wow. Yes. It's impossible for me to, to truly sing like Elvis Presley, right? Things of that nature. Unfortunately, though, there are things that are truly impossible that we cannot stop. That's really what impossible means, no matter how hard you try, no matter what you do, no matter what you attempt. No matter how many creams you buy at the beauty store or at the Avon, you cannot stop aging. I get tickled when they come out with a new miracle cream that guarantees to wipe away 20 years. It removes the wrinkles under your eye. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It doesn't even make you puffy. No. What they did was inflate your bank account. What about the tonics that come out? The drinks that come out, the ointments that come out, the oils, the balms, the rubs, the pills, the diets, the exercises, and the doctors that you entertain trying to stop you from aging. So let's look this morning at the impossible. And I ask you to turn to the Gospel of Luke. I just want to share with you one thing from the Gospel of Luke before we move into Matthew. I want you to turn to Luke 18. Luke 18, verse 1. The reason why we're throwing this in is from our Sunday school this morning. We were looking at the importance of prayer. One of the things that we learned about was that we should always pray. So look at the Luke 18, verse 1. And spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Does that sound impossible to you? Does that sound impossible to you? I need you to understand that Christians, we should be praying. I know that what's been happening in the world today is frightening and scary. I know that a lot of us are beginning to say, is this the end time scenario? And you know what? It very well could be. I'm not going to stand up here behind this pulpit and tell you that I know for certain that it is, nor I'm going to stand behind this pulpit and tell you that it is not. I'm going to tell you this. We should do what Luke 18, verse 1 tells us to do, and that is pray that we may not lose heart. Amen. We need to be in prayer. You need to be in prayer. We need to pray for Israel. We need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We need to pray for our brothers in Israel. We need to pray that they open their eyes and come to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. That they accept the Messiah for who He is. He's not a prophet. Listen to me now. He's not a sermon. He's not a waymaker. He is the Savior. And they need to come to Him. With that in mind, Matthew chapter 19, we are looking at things that are impossible, undoable, unworkable, inconceivable. If you are a fan of that movie, you probably remember the greatest comeback of all time, which was, why do you keep using that word? I don't think it means that you take a drink. 
Praise God. Matthew chapter 19. Look at here, verse 25. The Bible says, When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? So Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men, this is All things are possible with God. And we love to hear that preached to us with the emphasis on miracles. We do. We love to hear that all things are possible with God all the time, especially when we're talking about money. We want to hear that. God is good and God provides and God protects and God makes a way. Usually when we're talking about money. Can I get an amen or oh me? We want to hear that all things are possible with God when the bills come due. We want to hear that all things are possible with God when our health becomes bad, don't we? We want to hear about God is a miracle worker. God is a way maker. God is, can make anything possible. With God, there's nothing impossible, especially when it comes to money and health. And we love to hear that. We love to hear that all the time. In fact, that is what builds the modern-day church. Unfortunately, we've left the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is, for God so loved the world. God paid the debt He did not owe so that you can go to a place you cannot get to. Somewhere that's impossible for you to be unless God makes the impossible possible. And we turn the gospel into, God, pay my bill. God, give me long life. Let me tell you something, and I need you to hear this right now. This body is not going to you're not going to live here. You are going to pass away. No matter how much money you spend on fixing it, how much you spend on trying to make it wrinkle-free, skinny, or even have hair when it leaves your face. You try to make an impossible And Jesus tells us, he says, with men this is impossible. And we believe in our hearts, amen. Our bills will be taken care of. Our health will be taken care of. Our joy will be taken care of. But that's not all. What Jesus meant. And we should know Jesus is speaking something else. We're going to talk this morning. And once again, ask the question. What is impossible for mankind? That is possible for God. Let's go to the Lord. Father in heaven, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask you right now to work in our hearts, to work in our lives. I pray, Father God, that you take charge. And I pray, Lord God, that there be anyone that needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, or anyone that needs to get their heart right with you, that you let this morning be the morning. I'm asking you to hold the Spirit to move into our hearts and our lives, to do a work in us, Lord, so that we might feel an honor to receive you, hear from you, Lord God, turn back to you that you've walked away from you. Let today be the day, Lord, that there be a movement. There's a revival in your new one. And I pray, Lord God, you take charge and you will find the name. For in Jesus' name we We must ask the question what is impossible for mankind that is possible with God? Jesus told his disciples that day with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. 
In Matthew 19, Jesus is saying that it's impossible for man to get where he needs to go. I think the majority of us will shake our heads and amen right now. Most the majority of us say, yes, that's right. It's impossible for man to get where he needs to go. And you know we're referring to heaven, right? We're referring to life eternal. We're referring to being right with God. He said in Matthew 19, 24, again, I say to you, it's easier for everyone. That's the context of what we started out reading this morning. With man, it's impossible. You know the story. A person comes up and he says, hey! Teacher, good teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? We're going to give the age-old response that we quote all the time. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is a man to go through And I know that you have heard sermon after sermon after sermon on the eye of the needle. But I want you to think about a few things with me now. Take a good look at your pastor this morning. I've got all kinds of faults. But my biggest fault is my eyes are getting worse and worse every day. I think it's hilarious when I put my own buttons back on my shirt and it takes me seven or eight minutes to get that thread through that needle. And I can imagine what it would be like as I'm holding that needle to try to stuff a camel. I'm serious. Now, I want you to look at this in full context for a second. Now, let's just not talk about a whole camel. And incidentally, camels aren't the most gentle creatures in the world. Some of you have been in the Middle East. Camels bite. Camels spit. Camels are ornery. They probably are, truly. Southern Baptist. I'm going to tell you that. They probably are. But could you imagine trying to stuff that camel through that little bitty eye of the needle? Let's just spin it down a little bit because, you know, camels fight back. Let's see something that doesn't fight back. It's like a rope. One of those big ropes like they use for a ship's anchor. They're about that big round. You say, I cannot get that to the eye. It's smaller than a camel. And it holds still. You don't even have to lick the end of it. You can do that. I know you know what I'm talking about because some of you have the same struggle I do when you're looking at that little eye of the needle. So I want you to get this picture here. How impossible it is to put a camel through the eye of a needle, let alone a rope. What about a camel? Look at him, verse 24, we're in Matthew 19. And again, I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now I need to put it out there for just a second. Not all rich people are going to hell. Can I get an amen on some rich people are going to hell. The reason why Jesus says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to go to heaven is because rich people tend to trust in their riches. They tend to say, I'm rich, therefore I must be blessed. Therefore I must be favored by God. And if I'm favored by God, then I must be going to heaven. Wrong. For all of us have sinned, and every one of us have fallen short of the glory of God, no matter how rich or poor you are. Every one of us have. But I think we've all heard the eye of the needle somewhere down the line. If you've been a member of a Baptist church somewhere in your lifetime, you've heard that picture of the rich man unloading his camels, right? You've heard that picture about how they had to walk up to what they call the eye of the needle. A lot of people will say, it was this little bitty gate in the wall. 
and, and it had one little door in it, and they would close the gates at nighttime to keep the invading armies from coming in, and they would just keep this one little gate open, and in order to get into the gate, you had to unload your camel, you had to cover your camel to kneel down on all four of his knees, and then walk him through on his knees. They would say, that's the eye of the needle, and it kept the invading army from coming through, because you'd have to walk through it one soldier at a time. Meaning just a few people could defend the whole wall for one one person to come through. In fact, I'd love to show you a picture of Jerusalem by the need of Now I want to show something else at you for a minute. There's not one thread before the letter. Not one. But we've probably all heard that sermon before. About that eye of the needle and how we got to be like that rich man, right? And we've got to unload our camels and we've got to walk him through on his knees to get him through there. But you know what that implies? That implies then that what Jesus said is impossible is very much possible. It's just inconvenient. It's inconvenient. This is what Jesus is referring to then? That would imply you can do the impossible by just unloading your camel. Salvation is just a matter of willing to be inconvenienced. You ever heard that before? You can't get saved till you sit in our hard pews. You ever heard that before? You can't get saved till you listen to one of our hard sermons. Have you heard that before? If you're online and you're listening this morning, have you heard that before? You can't get saved till you join our church. What they're saying is, unload your camels and walk them through the eye of the moon. Some of you came this morning. I'm talking to you this morning. I'm preaching to you this morning. You came this morning. You said, hey, I've got to unload my camel. I'm carrying guilt. I'm carrying shame. I'm carrying past history. I don't want to remember. I'm carrying all kinds of things. I just need to get him down on his knees, unload him, walk him through the eye of the needle, and I'll be a-okay. Wrong. Understand what Jesus said. With man, this is impossible. Matter of coming to church on Sunday morning every now and then, putting something in the offering plate every then, uh, reaching out and, and helping us out in the charity drive or feeding the hungry. No, that's not what salvation is. And we think that what it takes to get us to heaven is we just put out for a little while. You know, I'll just be righteous for a little while. That is the hardest thing I have learned as a pastor for 30 years is the majority of Christians today believe that I can come, be good for a little while, and then I'll go to heaven. In other words, I'll just unload my camel and I'll walk them through the eyes of the needle. Yeah, it's inconvenient. Yeah, it's a pain. And once I've done it, I've done it, right? That's what most people say and what most people do and what most people believe. Am I talking to you this morning? Am I talking to you online this morning? Have you sat there and told yourself, I just need to unload my camels and I can walk them through the eye of the needle and once I get through, then hey, I'm going to heaven. You need to go back and look at what Jesus said. He said, with man, this is impossible. You cannot, listen to me now, no matter how hard you try, 
earn yourself into heaven. You cannot make a way there. You cannot buy a way there. You cannot merit a way into heaven. A preacher cannot preach you into heaven. He cannot pray you into heaven. He cannot save you. But with God, all things are possible. We think what it takes to get up to heaven is to be put out for a little while. Our daily or weekly ritual of going to church for that one hour. You know, I'm not a big advocate of churches in other places. A lot of times I like to pull away from them because they move out of the scriptures, but a lot of them are deep in the scriptures. And I want you to know something right now. And I want you to hear this. This is coming from my heart now. We oftentimes complain about the one hour of worship service we have here at Robinson Avenue Baptist Church. But I want you to know that Christians in China and Christians that are in the underground church, they gather together and go to church the whole day. And some of them walk 10, 11, 12, 13 miles just to go to church in the rain with no air conditioner, with no food, no pot, no dinner, no lunch, nothing. And turn around and walk back home after church because they believe in program. They don't have a guitar. They don't have a piano. That preacher's too short. He's too loud. He's too fat. <laughs> Someone asked me the other day, said, Pastor Joshua, what kind of service animal would you get? A pig. Why would I get a pig? Well, I really wouldn't want a pig. A piece of the pig. Well, really just basically on the honey. My support animal right there. We think what it needs for us to get to heaven is doing something. You think you can earn your way there? You can take, start being good, you know, while serving as a chaplain in the Texas Department of Children's Justice. One of the hardest things that I would ever teach those new Christians, because they would get saved in there, and they would come there and say, I've been good for a little while. When is God going to let me make parole? Can I tell you something? With man, these things are impossible. With man trying to earn your way into heaven, it's impossible. You can't be good enough. You can't be happy enough. You can't be healthy enough. You can't be good-looking enough. You can't be worthy enough. With man, it is impossible. It is impossible to earn our way into heaven. Jesus said it's impossible for mankind. In fact, let's look at that verse again. It's in verse 26. Jesus looked at them and said to them, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Now let's look quickly at God's making of you. That gave birth to the sermon. It reads through the prophet Jeremiah. And whoa, we love to look at Jeremiah and think of him as a weekly prophet. Think of his ministry to Israel. Think of his going with his people into captivity. Think of his preaching to them, saying, I know you've been wounded. I know you've been hurt. I know you've been defiled. God is with you. What a beautiful prophet message he is. You know what else? Jeremiah preaches. Jeremiah preaches that God does He preaches. Listen to me now. He preaches. That what cannot be possibly changed in God can be changed. Look at me in Jeremiah 30, verses 12 and 13. And I want you to look at God speaking to his people. He says, For thus saith the Lord, your affliction is incurable, your wound is severe. You put that in modern day language, what he's saying is you've got a wound that cannot be healed, it is going to kill you. You may be alive right now. You may feel it right now. But it is killing you. It is uncurable. It is eating at you. And inside of that wound, poisons are 
sweetness seeping all through your body. Look at verse 13. There's no one to plead your case that you may be bound up. You have no healing medicines. There's no doctor. There's no nurse practitioner. There's no telemedicine. There's nothing that can save you. You will die. He paints a picture that says your future is death. I said earlier, we know and love Jeremiah as the weeping prophet, but we overlook that he's also the prophet of the impossible. He preaches that God can do the impossible. He preaches over and over again. He says this message. He says there's nothing too difficult for our God. So you there's nothing too difficult for our God. I shared with you that God can do the impossible. Jeremiah paints that vision of the impossible future ahead of you. You've got a wound. You've got an illness. It's incurable. You have an incurable wound. Nothing you can do to stop it. It's like aging. Irreversible, no matter what. A little disclaimer on the bottle of cream. You need to understand Jeremiah's picture. Jeremiah's talking about a wound, but he's not talking about a wound caused with a sword. He's not talking about a wound caused because somebody did something to you. He's talking about a wound we created on ourselves when we Look with me in Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. And let me tell you, that's just the first part of Romans 6.23. But what you need to understand is when you sin and you have sin, what you've done is put a wound on you that cannot be healed. It will kill you. It will destroy you. It is irreversible. And there's nothing you can do about it. It is causing gangrene to spread all over your soul, all over your spirit, all over your body. And it will destroy you. And there's nothing you can do. It's impossible what you do. You say, I can clean it. You can't clean it. Oh, Pastor, I can sew it up. You can't sew it up. Oh, Pastor, I can get some oil in it. I can get some medicine on it. I can get a doctor. You can't stop it. It's impossible. And as Jeremiah said, it's impossible. God, all things are possible. Remember, Jeremiah is the prophet of the impossible. And he looked at his people, Judah. And he looked at his people, Israel. And he says, you have this wound. It's impossible for you to cure it. Now I want you to look at me in Jeremiah 30, 17. It's the first part. He brings good news to a people who finally realize we're going to die. Does that describe you this morning? You've been sitting in those pews for years. You've been listening to preachers on TV for years. And you're finally realizing you can't earn your way there. You can't buy your way there. You can't merit your way there. You can't favor your way there. You can't plead your way there. You can't smooth your way there. You can't do anything to get you there. It's impossible. And you begin to realize, I've got a problem. And it's a problem that's going to kill me. Jeremiah tells the people, I will restore help to you. Why? Because he's the prophet of the impossible. Why? Because he reminds his people that with God, all things are possible. Now, we're not stopping there. 
Now stop in there. Maybe I've been talking to you, though, this morning, and you've got that wound. That wound is brought on by your sin. That wound is killing you. It's killing your family. It's killing your job. It's killing your relationship. It's killing your happiness, your peace, your joy. It's killing everything around you. And you say, how do I stop it? You can't stop it. Oh, God, I'll thank you. God says, I can heal you. I want you to listen to me now this morning, Christian. Have you dying right now of the sin of gossip? Are you dying right now of the sin of lust? Are you dying right now of the sin of coveting? Are you dying right now of the sin of stealing? Are you dying right now, oh, Christian, of the sin of cursing? Or perhaps you're in the closet and you've got that sin of pornography. I want you to know it's impossible for you to break. But with God, all things are possible. And my Bible says He can cure you. He can heal you. Pastor, oh, Pastor, you're not hitting my sin. What's my sin? Gluttony. Oh, Pastor, what's my sin? Alcoholism. Oh, Pastor, what's my sin? Narcotics, drug abuse. Perhaps it's a desire to have somebody sympathize over you over and over and over again. You can't cure it. But God can. But then, Jeremiah says, God says, I can see. Now, what does he in Romans 6.23? He started out for the wages of sin is death. It's a disease. It's a wound. It's going to kill you. And look at the rest of it. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I will cure you. I will heal you. He can do the impossible. Not you. We are loving Israel. Salvation comes of the Jews, for the Jews, by the Jews, and it came out to us because God makes all things possible. He brought us who were once far away, brought us near because He loves us. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Jeremiah's message lives up to His name. The Lord throws. You know the story of Jeremiah. He goes
over Israel. Iran is going to destroy the United States. This is the punishment of God. And all of us will stand back and say, no way. God is going to let us fall to Iran. No way. What if it was North Korea? What if it was Russia? What if it was someone else? You don't know. It's impossible. Sure enough, the prophecy comes true. The enemy army is going to invade the end and they took us brutally. Drag us back to Babylon. Pulling us back time and time and time again. Destroying our way of life. Destroying our temples, our cultures, our churches. Destroying the United States Constitution. Destroying everything we ever However, what kind of prophet would that be? They would hate him. They would turn against him and say, No, prophesy a good message. That's what they did to Jeremiah. Jeremiah's message became to me. I want you to look at Jeremiah chapter 2. Look with me at verses 6 through 8. The Bible says, The Lord said also to me in the days of Josiah the king, Have you seen what backslide this Israel has done? She has gone up on every high mountain and under every green tree, and there played the harlot. I need you to understand that God equates idolatry with adultery. God says, if you will go after witches and demons, you are committing idolatry on me, and therefore adultery against me. And look with me at verse 7. And I said, after she had done all these things, return to me. God said, I'll forgive your sin. Come back to me. But she did not return. And her treacherous sister, Judah. Judah and Israel had had a civil war. They had separated into the northern and the southern kingdom. And Judah saw what Israel did. And Judah says in his heart, decided to punish him. Israel wants to punish me. And her treacherous sister Judah saw it. Look at me in verse 8. Then I saw that for all the causes for which backsliding Israel had committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a certificate of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but went and played harlot. What is God saying? He's saying, you are an adulterous and unclean people. You have become unclean, unchaste, unholy, not worthy. It's become filthy. So, you might say, Pastor, that really describes me. I followed after witches. I followed after the demon of methamphetamine, the demon of Cocaine, the demon of hell. Might be following the demon of pornography. and unclean. You say, I can't break it. You can't break it. And here God tells his people, You are unchaste and unclean. It to bring that taste back. Remember what Jesus said. Are you ready? Remember what Jesus said. He said, with God, all things are possible. Jeremiah, the prophet of the impossible, preaches, you've got a, a wound that can't be healed, but I will cure you if you will come to me. He preaches to Israel, and he preaches to 
Judah, you're unchaste, you're unclean, you're unholy, you've committed adultery, but I'll make it to where you've never, ever, ever been unchaste. Look with me in Jeremiah 31. Let's take a look at verses 3 and 4. The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I've drawn you. Again, I will build you, and you shall be rebuilt. Oh, virgin of Israel, you can be clean again. And perhaps you're sitting in the pews this morning saying, Can God cleanse me? And the answer is, yes, He can. Can God do the impossible? Yes, He can. Can God make you holy again? Yes, He can. Can God make you right again? Yes, He can. Why? Because with God, all things are possible. Well, you, O virgin of Israel, you shall again be adorned with your tambourine and shall go forth to the dance of those who rejoice. He's talking about the dance of the virgins. He's talking about those who get out and say, Hey, I'm available. I'm looking for a good, holy, loving man. You can go out in the streets again saying, I'm holy, I'm chaste, I'm clean, I'm pure. Because with God all God calls Israel a virgin. God says, Is you clean? That's what he can do with you. I can make you clean. I can make you pure. Maybe he can make you tight without a title. I can make you pure. I can make you chaste. He can make you innocent. Innocent again. you? Whatever you need to be. But that's the not with you. You still got a problem. So we can go to God and get healed. We can go to God and become pure again. doesn't forgive man sin. It makes me think that it forgives it. Even if we get healed, we can't undo what we've done. The wages, remember we learned the wages of Romans 6, 1 and 3, the means of the wages of sin. Most of us come to church because we want healing. We want to be right. We want to be holy. We want to be clean. Wrong. 
God did. He told us in the beginning. He told us in the beginning. He told us in the end. When he says he did that, he paid a debt he did not own. Why? The Bible tells us. For God so loved the world. Remember what he said to Israel? I have loved you with an unending love, O Israel, and I will make you a virgin again. Come unto me, all ye that labor, says Jesus Christ, and I will give you rest. The labor he's talking about is for those of us that have been chasing righteousness, those that have been chasing holiness, those that have been saying, I've got to make it right. Come unto me, says Jesus, and I will give you rest. Already read it. What's the debt then that we've got to pay? Did you say The way that the sin is The life that we're owed. It's impossible to stop that. But with God, all things are possible. See, Jeremiah doesn't just talk about uncurable wounds being healed, he doesn't just talk about an unchaste person becoming a virgin. He talks about something else becoming a because under the old, there was nothing there but sin. He talks about something else becoming brand new, and it was impossible for man to do. He talks about something else that's made new, a new way, a new testament, a new covenant. Look with me here in Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days are coming, saith the Lord, when I will make a brand new covenant. In Hebrew, it's brick hadashah. Do you know how you say New Testament in Hebrew? Brit Hadashah. I will give you a new covenant. Well, we'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And that new covenant says your past will no longer live. It'll be dead because my son paid the price. And your future will live forever because my son lives forever. And that's how the impossible becomes Praying and praying and praying and praying and praying, and nothing's happening, 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 happening. You know why? Because Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one. Jesus is the truth. There's no other way to be found. There's nothing you can do to do everything God can do. He makes the impossible possible. In fact, you need a personal loving relationship with Him this morning. I want to ask you to give your heart to Him this morning. Have to say, Pastor Joshua, I am a Christian, but I'm not living right, and I want to come. Paul, can God forgive me? Yes, He can. Pastor say, Pastor Joshua, I need a church home. Would you be willing to come and unite with us? Tomorrow, Saturday, that church. Perhaps God's calling you to something else. Would you come and share that with us? Whatever the case may be. I'm going to close in that word of prayer, and I'm going to ask you to humble yourself. Come down the aisle. Give the glory to God. Let's pray together. Father, I come to you now in Jesus' name. Lord God, Thank you that there is nothing too difficult for you. Thank you, Lord, that you can do the impossible. And thank you, Lord, that you can undo what we have done. Bless us now. Take charge now, Lord. Send me anyone that needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior. Or anyone, Lord God, that needs to get their heart and their relationship with you right and direct save you today. Or anyone, Father God, that needs to be a part of our family. Right now, we just want to give you the praise, honor, and glory even now. 
you all. Hope you enjoyed your worship here with us. Welcome to the Baptist Church. Don't forget today, 4 o'clock, ministry change, 4 30 from Todd of Practice. Don't forget, you can work at 6 o'clock. Way of the Master resumes Monday at 6. So be a special lesson that we get ready to go out into the streets with gospel tracks. So that's not starting this week, but next week. Pray for us and for boldness. All right, let's close in that word of prayer, and I will see you guys hopefully in the week. Oh, yes, pictures come up next. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Pictures come up after that. So come and get a picture with us as well. So I'm going to ask Brother Frank Knight if you told me the first time, sir.